Hey, good morning, church. Uh, you all like you're doing really well. A lot of smiling faces here this morning. <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. 39 again and again and again. <laughs> you know, I've gotten some really cool cards from all of you, and, and one of one that really made me laugh was a, a card uh, that, that had suggested responses when people ask you how old you are. And one of the suggestions was cover your ears and go la 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 until they, till they go away. <laughs> so if, if I do that, if you ask me how old I am, I'm 62 today. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm proud of that. Got the hair to go with it and everything. So <laughs> anyway, thank you. Thank you for your remembering that today. Well, let's step into the word and let's remember our creator today, huh? Let's do that. invite you to take your Bible and join me in Ecclesiastes chapter 11. Maybe you're carrying your phone today or your iPad, but uh, let's go to Ecclesiastes. And uh, to get to there, you just kind of open your Bible to the middle. And if you get close to Psalms, go to the right. If you get into Isaiah, go back to the left. You'll find the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 11. And uh, if you need a Bible, we keep some in the back. We'll be glad to share one of ours with you. And then also reach into your bulletin and pull out that note page, if you would. And church family, believe it or not, we are closing in on the end of our study of this amazing Old Testament book. Don't laugh so 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 loudly like that. <laughs> we've rounded, truly, we've rounded the final turn, and we are running down the straightaway for the finish line. We don't cross the finish line today. That'll happen in two Sundays from now, but we are close. We're close. For ten chapters, we have been by Solomon's side as... He searches for a meaningful life. Where, church? Under the sun. And it's been quite a roller coaster ride for him. Ten chapters with more than its fair share of ups and downs and twists and turns. And for ten chapters, Solomon has been beating a drum of frustration as he looks to see if life without God in it, just under the sun living, can bring deep fulfillment and satisfaction and purpose to your life. And he's discovered today that it can't do that, can it? That life lived under the sun can't do that. You've got to have God in your life if you're going to maximize your life. And he has looked in a variety of places to see if a fulfilling life could be found without God in it. And so we've spent time with him as he has sought a meaningful life in nature. He came up empty when he did that. Uh, could, could acquiring knowledge and wisdom, could that bring a fulfilling life? No. Nope. In pursuits that would gratify every sensual desire? No, nope. that didn't do it for him either. In fighting for justice and social causes, maybe that's where a fulfilling life would be under the sun. No, that didn't work for him either. Uh, what about pouring yourself into your work, into your vocation, being a workaholic? Would that bring a satisfying, fulfilling life? Solomon checked that out, came up empty. What about accumulating as much wealth as you possibly can? Would that bring a fulfilling life? The answer is no. Solomon was bitterly disappointed, and he was one of the richest, wealthiest people who have ever lived. He says, I've seen everything done under the sun, and behold, it's all meaningless. It's a chasing after the wind. That's what he says. 
A maximized life demands that we live with an above-the-sun perspective, with God being acknowledged and fully involved in our lives. And we knew that before we ever started the book of Ecclesiastes, right? We knew that was, was true. And Solomon will, thankfully, finally get there to stay today. We have heard for the last time his under-the-sun lament. We heard that for the last time last week. So we're picking things up this morning, church family, at verse 5 of chapter 11. Allow me to read the following verses for us, Solomon's next uh, diary entry, and uh, let's see where the Lord takes us today. Verse 5, as you do not know the way the Spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Ah, you catch that? There he is. He's looking above the sun. Verse 6. In the, morning, in the morning sow your seed, and at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. Light is sweet, and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that comes is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart, in the sight of your eyes. But know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation from your heart and put away pain from your body, for youth and the dawn of life are vanity or or fleeting. Remember also your Creator in the days of your youth. Chapter 12, verse 1. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. That's as far as we're going to go this morning, church. First half of verse 12. This is part one of a two-parter, as you can see it there on your note page. But did you catch what Solomon said in verse 12, or verse 1 of chapter 12? Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. We have not heard so clear and direct and above the sun statement since we began this journey months ago, have we? This is it. It's here. If we want a truly meaningful, satisfying, purpose-filled, fulfilling, difference-making now and for eternity life, it begins with this truth in chapter 12, verse 1. Does it not, church? Remember your creator. Remember the one who made you. Real life starts right here. It's taken Solomon 12 chapters to get us to that place. I'm going to ask if you'll hang out with me here in chapter 12, verse 1, for just a moment before we go back up to verse 5 and kind of do our verse-by-verse thing that we are normally accustomed to doing. We'll end up then after that coming back here to verse 12 before we're, or verse 1 of chapter 12 before we're done. So Solomon says, remember your creator, Holy Spirit inspired. Remember your creator. Now when he says this, it's very important that we understand what he is not saying. He's not saying remember in the sense of don't forget about God. This is not the kind of remembering that we do when we put a little note on a post-it note 
and, and, and put it on the refrigerator or on our bathroom mirror. This is not the kind of remembering that Solomon has, his, has in mind. Remember God today. And we see that note and we remember, oh yeah, I've got to think about God today. No, I would ask you to push that kind of remembering out of your mind if you can because that is not where Solomon is at in this moment. He uses a Hebrew word here that has a very different kind of meaning. It's incredibly rich and it's powerful. And, and perhaps I can help us grasp its meaning best by using another Old Testament story and moment and scene. In 1 Samuel chapter 1, we find this very same word, remember, used when Hannah comes to God and cries out to him, asking God to give her a child. Hannah has been childless for years. It's the cry of her heart to be a mother. She longs to be a mother. And so she goes to the only one who could possibly hear her and do anything about her longing. She goes to the Lord. And she prays and she weeps and she pours out her heart. If you know the story in 1 Samuel 1, and she cries out to the Lord, give me a child. And in 1 Samuel 1.19, we're told that the Lord remembered Hannah. That's exactly what the verse says. The Lord remembered Hannah. He enables her to conceive. And Samuel, the great prophet of Israel, is born as a result of that answer to prayer. When it says that the Lord remembered, it means that God acted decisively on her behalf. He took action on her behalf. It wasn't just a a, a God mentally calling Hannah to mind and, oh, I must not forget Hannah. I'm going to remember Hannah. It's a deliberate taking of action for Hannah's sake. The word remember here in chapter 12, verse 1 of Ecclesiastes is the exact same Hebrew word. It means to act decisively on behalf of another, to to act in favor of another, to act for the sake of another person. So when Solomon says, remember your creator, brother or sister in Jesus, he's saying, by your actions, not your words alone or your mental thoughts alone, but by your actions, live decisively for the sake of God, on behalf of God, in favor of the living God who made you for himself. Do you see the difference between a post-it note and this kind of remembering? Very, very different. When we do that, young and not so young, when we act decisively on behalf of God in our lives, we're declaring that he is the essential that we must have to really enjoy this life to the max. That's what we're saying. We've gone above the sun. We hear what God says in his word. We care about what he says in his word. And we do what he says. We act decisively in favor of him. We bow our will to God's will. We remember our creator. We're not post-it note Christians. Aren't you glad for that? That's that's the call. Don't be a post-it note Christian. Act decisively in favor of your God, the God who made you. That's above the sun living and thinking. Well, that takes us now 
back up to verse 5 of chapter 11. We're going to think about living above the sun. And Solomon offers us some great counsel in these verses that run up to verse 1 of chapter 12. So let's go back up to chapter 11 and find verses 5 and 6. And the first bit of counsel that is above the sun and that Solomon offers us here, he essentially says, you never know what's going to happen. So do what? Go for it. Go for it. This is above the sun counsel. You never know what's going to happen in your life, so go for it. Verse 5. As you do not know the way of the, the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. Now that last phrase tips us off. Solomon's not under the sun, is he? He is above the sun in this moment. God is the maker of everything, and there is much in this world that he has made that is a mystery to us. We just don't know how it works. In other words, we just don't know what the sovereign God of heaven might choose to do. What might happen today or tomorrow or the next day? He gives us windows into the way life works, but they're more like little portholes on the side of a ship, aren't they? rather than giant picture windows. We don't get giant picture windows in this life. We get little portholes. Very limited, very narrow view. Reminds me of Isaiah chapter 55, verses 8 and 9. God says, my thoughts are not your thoughts. My, my, my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. True, yes? Solomon would affirm that. He notes how God creates an unimaginably marvelous and complex new life inside of a a mother's womb. And he places an eternal soul into that human life. But how he does that, we do not know. We just don't know. We just don't have any way of knowing what God is going to do, Solomon says, or how he may work. But Solomon's point is, is that our ignorance should not stop us from immersing ourselves fully into this life that he has given us. He would not be a fan of living tentatively or fearfully or paralyzed into inaction because we can't see around the corner or over the wall or down the road. He would not be a fan of that. Verse 6, In the morning sow your seed. And at evening withhold not your hand, for you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. What's he saying? You don't know what's going to happen, so what? Go for it. That's what he's saying in verse 6. If I'm a farmer, for example, God who is Lord over his creation can permit a flood to to come and wash away my crops. He can do that. He's God. Or God can choose to, to send the most refreshing, gentle rains at just the right times and intervals so that my fields produce a bumper crop. Either way, what am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to plant my seed, and I'm going to work hard, right? Because I don't know what it's going to be what the outcome is going to be. God knows, but I don't know. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to do it. 
And the same would be true for anything else in, in this life that we might wish to do, but, but it has risk associated with it. It might succeed, but, but you know what? It could fail. I just don't know. What am I going to do? Sit on my hands or am I going to go for it? Maybe something instantly comes to your mind right now in this moment as, as I'm talking. Something that you would like to do or try or, or explore, but fear of the unknown is keeping you kind of stuck in this, this one place. And Solomon says that to get the most out of this life, you need to go for it. You need to go for it. Take, take when life gives, rebound when it takes from you, and then trust the one who ultimately has control of it all, right? That's what we hear him saying. That's great counsel. Now, for me, a great illustration of this kind of, of life being modeled uh, comes out of the life of the Apostle Paul. He was in prison for preaching Jesus. He has no real idea of what's going to happen to him, whether he's going to be released or possibly could be executed. But here's what he says is his perspective. Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. You would know these words, I'm guessing, quite well. Paul says, For I have learned in whatever situation I am, as I'm doing life in Jesus, I have learned to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. What's Paul saying? What's he saying? He's saying sometimes the flood wipes me out, takes everything I've got. Sometimes the gentle rains have refreshed and blessed me with abundance. I have more than I need. I've known them both. But here's what gets me through. Since from moment to moment, I don't know what's next. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's above the sun living, is it not? We never know what's going to happen, so go for it. It's part of living the way God would have us to live, above the sun. Go for it. And then in verses 7, 8, and 9, Solomon shares more above the sun counsel, as he essentially says there on your note page, really enjoy your life when, church? Right now. Really enjoy your life now. Not tomorrow or the next day or that and day after that. Right now. Verse 7. Light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. So if a person lives many years, let him rejoice in them all. But let him remember that the days of darkness will be many. All that, all that comes is vanity or it's fleeting or it's, it's short-lived. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. We'll stop right there for a second. Circle that word rejoice. It shows up twice. Circle the word cheer. It shows up once. We have those words in this one short section. Really enjoy your life when? Now. Solomon seems to just come out of nowhere with verse 7. Light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to see the sun. What in the world does that have to do with anything, we ask? Well, what he's doing is attempting to capture for us in this sentence kind of the sense of sheer delight or, or pleasure 
that we've all felt at certain times in our life at just the prospect of being alive. And, and so to do that, he uses the imagery of a sunrise, a new day, a new beginning. That's kind of the idea he has in mind. Now, many of you have probably had the opportunity to stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon at sunrise. I've had that, that privilege, that opportunity. It's one of those truly incredible, amazing moments, memorable moments in your life. You get up in the dark, and you walk with a flashlight to the canyon rim, you, you take your position sitting on the rim, and then you wait. You wait for the sun to rise, and the images that unfold in the next hour are literally beyond description. You ever had the chance to do this? It's absolutely incredible. It's, it's, it, you just feel like, wow, my God, so amazing. And, 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 it, and what a gift you've given to me this morning, Lord, as I stand on the rim of the Grand Canyon. And it's, it's living above the sun. It's acknowledging the Creator. And Solomon's trying to capture that in verse 7. It's, it's a wonderful thing to be alive. And having said that, Solomon then says in verse 8, However many years a man may live, let him rejoice in them all. What a great admonition. The Holy Spirit through Solomon essentially says, extract every good thing you can from this life. Really enjoy your life right now. This reminds me of God's words to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis chapter 1, God says, Adam and Eve, I made the world. I made all the creatures that inhabit the world. I made all of the things that grow on the world. And Adam and Eve, I made you. Go and enjoy all that I have made. Everything. Go ahead. Sample and taste and touch and drink. Enjoy. Just avoid one tree. Tremendous freedom God gave to Adam and Eve. A releasing permission with only one limiting directive. Watch out for that one tree. Otherwise, everything else is yours. I want you to enjoy it. Most sadly, for God and for all of us, Adam and Eve found that one directive. Stay away from that one tree. Nah, that was too confining. And, and they, had, they had rain of the rest of the earth, but that, that, that one directive was too confining. And they plunged the world into sin and death. But the heart of God hasn't changed, has it? From that day, that, that moment, that directive, He wants us to enjoy life and, and drink deeply from it. And notice there's no time frame attached to this admonition. However many years, all the years, throughout the years, all the way through your life, enjoy it. I like that. Today I'm 62. God says, Tim, really enjoy the good I give you in this year. Don't miss a thing. And I say, Lord, help me not to miss a thing. Help me to really enjoy this life you've given me. Thank you. 
Well, should we all say that? Because in the latter part of verse 8, Solomon reminds us honestly that our candle sooner or later does blow out. We all die. It's part of the fall, part of sin. Like the well-known line out of Fiddler on the Roof, sunrise, sunset, sunrise, sunset, swiftly fly the years, right? Solomon is not ignorant of that truth. How tragic it is when a person lives their whole life anticipating tomorrow and they never really enjoy today. It's always about tomorrow. Just one more thing that I need to get and then I'll have, I'll have a great life. I, I, one more person. I just need to meet that one person. And then I'm going to have a, I'm gonna have a great life. I just need to, to, to reach this one goal and then I'm going to have a great life. Always tomorrow. Until the day comes when there are no more tomorrows. May that never be any of us. That would be under the sun living, wouldn't it? No, let's go above the sun. God gives us permission to really enjoy life now. And then... It is with the certainty of life ending, but the uncertainty of knowing when it will end, that Solomon in verse 9 offers some great counsel to those who are younger among us. Verse 9. Rejoice, O young man or young woman, in your youth, and let your heart cheer, cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and the sight of your eye. Boy, we don't hear that enough from the pulpit, I don't think. It's almost as if God is leaning out of heaven's window and he's saying to the junior higher and the high schooler and the 20 and 30-somethings, saying, hey, relax, man. Have fun. Have a blast. Have the best possible time you can. Enjoy your youth. I give you permission, young person, to open, open the throttle of your life full bore and go. Follow your heart. Chase your dreams. Pursue the things that your eyes see to do. Enjoy your childhood. Enjoy your teen years. Enjoy your early adult years. Now, that's a message that young people would love to hear more of from the, from the pulpit. I'm thinking. But, well, you talk about advice that kind of runs counter to so much of what young people hear in the church and outside of it. More often than not, the words they hear couched in the negative and delivered with a stern intonation are, grow up, grow up, be mature, stop acting like a child. It's time that you got serious about your life. It's almost as if this text here is saying, why? What's the big rush? What's the big hurry? Life and its hard and painful realities are going to overtake even the, the swiftest runner sooner or later. Why rob youth prematurely of the joys and the pleasures, the spontaneity, the imaginative, the unencumbered fun of, of just living? Why make the young old before their time? God says, I give you permission to drink up my world in the days of your youth, live these days with a glimmer and a grin and enjoy them. 
And right about now, I can just hear some mom and dad saying, Shh, Pastor Tim, stop, stop. You're undoing everything we're trying to teach, Billy and Molly. You're sabotaging years of parenting in a matter of seconds. Stop. Mom and dad, don't worry. Flip that note page over. Because even within this same verse 9, the Holy Spirit has more to say to all of our young people. Check it out. God says, I give everyone permission to enjoy this life now, especially you young people. But know that with my permission, there are boundaries. There are boundaries. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these things, God will bring you into judgment. Remove vexation. The thought here is rebellion. Remove rebellion from your heart. Put away pain or evil from your body. For youth and the dawn of life are vanity. They are fleeting. They are, they're just over quickly. In other words, God says to the young, enjoy your life, enjoy my world, but do so within the limits that I have defined. That's good counsel, isn't it? That's above the sun counsel. Don't forget that you're going to answer to me for how you live. I will be holding you accountable for how you enjoy this world that I've made for you. On your note page, we say it this way. Humbly live within God's known will and word. Obey. Obey. And all of our parents breathe a sigh of relief. Thank you, Pastor Tim. (laughs) Uh, This is a much-needed statement that guards against wholesale sin and selfish personal gratification that destroys life and destroys the enjoyment of life. Now, some of our young people might hear this last bit, and they might say, you know, that last last line in verse 9 takes all the enjoyment out of enjoying life. It's like being taken to the candy store and then being told, well, you can only look. You can't touch or taste or have. But that's not true at all here. Actually, with these words, God puts all the enjoyment in. Think about it. With these words, I'm holding you accountable. There is a day of judgment coming. God is saying, young person, your life matters to me. It really matters to me. How you live your life matters. If, you, if, if I didn't care, I would just let you go and leave you to your own devices and, and, and you'd end up bringing untold heartache and, and, and not enjoyment on yourself. And I don't want that to happen. I won't let that happen. I care about how you live. I want you to know you're accountable to me. I'm holding you accountable. I made your life and... And no one knows better than I do how you can enjoy it to the max. And that's why in my word I've placed perfect limits on your life. Spelling out what you can do and what you should give your heart to so that you will not be destroyed. Adam and Eve didn't listen to me. I hope you'll listen to me. To all of us, young or old, God designed enjoyment in this life always to dance with a partner. A rich, richly joy-filled life never dances alone. It always dances with a partner named obedience. Right? Joy, 
enjoyment and obedience, they dance together. And then when that happens, it really works. Life works. People who are in a blind, maddening rush to have whatever they want by casting God and His Word aside, they never find what they're looking for. Never. I mean, they're dancing without a partner. The book of Ecclesiastes has been a a ten-chapter running commentary on the truth of that. When you dance without obedience in your life, your life comes to ruin. There might be a short-lived, temporary, exhilarating rush when we step into sinful rebellion, but it quickly passes and it's replaced by regret and Sorrow and shame and pain. And God says real life enjoyment always dances with obedience. Live within my boundaries. That's what God says. That's good above the sun council, is it not? Yeah. And that brings us full circle back to where we started, church family. Verse verse, uh, 1 of chapter 12. And Solomon's above the sun directive. Remember also your creator in the days of your youth. And recall again the kind of remembering that we're talking about. It's not that that post-it note variety of remembering, but rather that kind of remembering that puts actions to thoughts. Always act decisively in favor of the Lord. So when Solomon says, remember your creator, brothers and sisters, he is saying, By your actions, not your words alone, your thoughts alone, but by your actions, live decisively for the sake of your God, on behalf of your God, in favor of the living God who made you. And when you do that, whether you're young or whether you're not so young, when we act decisively on behalf of God in our lives, we're declaring that he is the essential that makes life really worth living. We've gone above the sun. We hear what God says in his word. We care about what he says and we do what he says. We bow our will to his will. We remember our creator. We're not posted, no Christians. So as we wrap this up here this morning, I would ask all of us, even as I would ask myself, because 12.1 of Ecclesiastes compels us to ask the question, Is this how you are living right now? Is this how I am living right now? Are we remembering our creator with decisive action that looks like obedience to his will and his word? Are we living that way? No one can answer that question really but you. I can only answer it for myself. Are we remembering him, teenagers? Young adults, middle year folks, advanced in years folks, 62-year-olds, are we remembering him? Are we? God is saying as plainly as he can that he wants us enjoying this life like nobody else enjoys it. He's, He's giving us permission to do that. He wants us knowing joy and deriving intense pleasure from every day that we have. He's giving us permission to go for it and enjoy this life now, but he insists on being at the center of it so that it can truly be life at its best. Remember your creator. 
in the days of your youth and all the way through. That is sound above the sun counsel. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, I would be remiss in light of what we've been considering this morning if I didn't ask this question. Has everyone in this room acted decisively in favor of God? Has everyone in this room acted decisively in favor of Jesus Christ? Now maybe you're here today and you're not even sure exactly what brought you here, but you are here and you knew you should be here, so you're here. Perhaps in the deepest part of who you are, you know that sin has, has, has caused a great separation between you and God. You know that you're going to die one day and, and, and there you'll be standing before God facing his holy judgment as, as 11.9 speaks about it. And, and you know you're not ready for that. You just know it in your heart. You're not ready for that. And maybe you're here today just so you could, could read two verses. Hebrews chapter 9, verses 27 and 28. And there they are on the screen. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment, so Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation for those who are waiting for him. Maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe that's why you're here. Because God wanted you to read that. He wanted you to act decisively in favor of Jesus Christ. And so as you read those verses, maybe what he would ask you to do is to put your name in that place where it's yellow highlighted and it says many people. And you read it again. So Christ was sacrificed once for all to take away the sins of, and you put your name in there. And you act decisively in favor of Jesus. The creator God who made you sent Jesus, his beloved son, to to pay the debt you could never pay. Believe that, and you'll not face judgment, Jesus says. I took that on the cross for you. I rose from the dead to prove that your sin was not more powerful than me. Believe me, remember me, act decisively in favor of me, and I will give you salvation. Maybe that's why you're here today. Because God wants to give you that gift today. Remember your creator. Act decisively in favor of him. Amen, church? Let's pray. Let's pray. So in this moment, perhaps you are that person that I was just speaking with and to and about this this truth of acting decisively in favor of Jesus, and you're saying, I don't know what to do. What do I do next? Well, in your heart of hearts, in this moment, you just admit to God, I'm a sinner and I need Jesus. Tell God that. Act in favor of Jesus. Make that decision. Ask him to come into your life to pay the sin debt you could never pay. His promise is, I will give you my salvation. For all of us who have made that decision and have acted in favor of Jesus, we know a great joy and a hope that can never be taken away. 
And the challenge for all of us is to live above the sun all the time. It's hard. And so we ask you, Heavenly Father, to enable us to do that, to remember you, our Creator, in the days of our youth and beyond that. For your glory we ask it. And all God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen.